Well, good morning. Great to be with you. And if you uh, thought that was a rewind from last week, well, it was. Uh, I asked Paul to show that again because before coming back to Texas to be your missionary and your director of missions, in fact, John was asking me, what do you call yourself? Well, I've got a title, and he told you my title, but I always just prefer I'm your missionary uh, here in the county. And my, my role is to help with strategy and help our churches uh, start new churches and help our churches start to engage the community around them, to know who the, the girls, boys, men and women that, who don't know Jesus and how, to, how better to engage and connect with them. That's, that's my role. And I came back here from having that role as a, a pastor starting churches in South Dakota. I know Jonathan well. He's my, my friend. I've been, in fact, I was at Connection Church just three weeks ago on a Sunday morning myself. Uh, my, all my children, some of you have met them in Will was uh, helping with worship here not too long ago. Uh, they grew up there on the mission field. When we went up there, I, I took the reins of a church that had uh, gone through some difficulty. Let me just, just say something about work here in the, the U.S. For, for missionaries that speak English, that it's, it's hard. It's hard to go to cities because our, our country has become somewhat inoculated to the gospel we have access to it, and, and that's a missionary phrase saying, hey, if you wanted to know about Jesus, you, you have the ability to find out about it, but having ears to hear about Jesus and, and, and listen, that's a little bit different. Uh, you know, up there they think that us Baptists, that we handle snakes or that we're black churches. That's, and that's just a quote, not even politically correct quote, but it is an exact quote of what they would say to, to us. And uh, Jonathan, he's just doing such a great work, and none of that work would be possible unless our churches here where we have more strength give like you give to the North American Missions offering uh, and as you give uh, separately to the association. We don't get a dollar from that NAM offering, just to make that clear. Um, and then here in Dallas, we just CBA churches that you support, we have 14 church plants underway right here in Collin County. And I'll share a little more later in the message about why, why we're doing the same thing here. Uh, really briefly, I mean, how on earth did I end up a missionary here in the U.S.? Uh, does that sound strange to say we have missionaries in, in the United States? Because we grew up thinking missionaries went where? Over there, right? Over there. Uh, Kimberly and, and I, my family, young family, I was stationed in Naples, Italy, of all places, in the, in the Navy, when I really my, my call to be a pastor, to be a missionary, was renewed. And I resigned my commission and moved my family back to, to the U.S. And we went to seminary. And I, I was just certain I was going to be a foreign missionary. I still think of them as foreign because I grew up in our churches when we use that word, foreign, instead of international, right? You want to hear God laugh? What do you do? You tell him your plans, right? And I was sitting uh, in chapel just over in Fort Worth there uh, in the North American Mission Board. They just changed the name, in fact, to the North American Mission Board. Sitting in chapel for North American Mission Board week. And Dr. Ken Hemphill preached a message from Ezekiel chapter 3. And these verses that are right here on, on the wall. Son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language but to the people of Israel, not to many peoples of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. And he went on in that passage and explains that it's very hard to preach the gospel amongst your own people. 
because uh, literally, do you know what? God called us hard heads. He said we have hard heads and we won't listen. And uh, as things progressed, and I, I mentioned I'd just come back from, uh, from Italy, um, you've heard the frog and kettle story? You know how to boil a frog is you put him in while it's cold and you turn it up slowly. And that's the way cultures change and drift away from God. Because if you had the boiling water and you tried to drop the frog in the boiling water, he will levitate and run off, of, off there rather than get in that hot water. Uh, in, intriguing thing for my family and I, three years outside American culture, living in Italy, we didn't watch English television for three years. And we came back, and, you know, I'm a Navy guy. You'd think that I'd seen and heard it all. And, and just in three years, how our culture changed. And now we're changing even faster. We need Jesus even more. And this call to come to our own folks. You know, and Jonathan up there, it's hard. And our days are hard. And I'm going to turn your attention now in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Uh, breaking a preaching rule, talking about one passage, and now I'm taking you to another place. And the reason why Acts 17 this morning, Paul, the model missionary, gives a sermon in Athens there. Uh, those of us that study missions, uh, we, we call this his, his great proclamation in the city of, of Athens. And in fact, it's the way the whole, the whole sermon starts out. <clears throat> Next slide, please. He said, For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was ascribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. big part of a missionary's role is proclamation, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul went to the city of Athens, and he had been walking around and seeing the way it, it was and was becoming. And, and Paul, at this point in his ministry, had traveled to some places, but Athens was the biggest place he had been to yet, and he was overwhelmed by its size and complexity. And just looking at all the different things, because uh, while he had been to Jewish cities and he had been to some Roman cities, I mean, Athens was the city of cities. It's the one that all of Western civilization sprung from, right? Incredible place to be. And God moved him to stand there and to start to proclaim the gospel in a place called the Areopagus. Uh, you know where we live today in the Big D? When I was growing up and coming through here, that, that's what my, my mom and dad just grew up across the Red River in Oklahoma. Don't, don't hold that against me. It's my mom and dad. I didn't grow up there. But they'd always talk about the Big D because it was the big place. Now, for years and years, though, it wasn't an international city. But you know the Big D's grown up, hasn't it? DFW is now an international city just like Athens. And you know what Paul said as he walked around that city and he saw all these different unknown gods in different places. We could walk around our own city now and we see the same thing. In Athens, there were three major ways to think about life. Uh, one of those was... Epicurean, if you read earlier in chapter 17, Paul even mentions the Epicureans. And, and they were all about stuff. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. Uh, we'd call those hedonists today. If you travel around Dallas-Fort Worth, travel around even Collin County and, and apartment complexes and different places, 
you'll find people that live that same lifestyle. If you ask them what happens when you die, they'd say, well, if I've even thought about it, they'd say, well, you're just gone, so that's why I do what I do. I'm going to enjoy things while I can enjoy them. Then there was a group of people in Athens that it was all about logic and reason. They called them the Stoics, kind of like, you know, Spock died just a few, what was that, a month ago. You know, all logic, no feeling. Uh, we, we have some of those around that say it's all about reason. In fact, that, that's the group that would call themselves atheists today. That's where they fit into the, the scheme of all the beliefs. Uh, there were even a few billboards around earlier this year and, and late part of last year saying, you know, consider that. But then you've got a group that's just all muddled together. They take some of this and some of that, and, and we have that here too. Religion today in Collin County. And I talked about that muddled group. That's the fastest growing religion here in Dallas-Fort Worth, is no religion at all. They would say they don't belong to anybody. And as your missionary, as we look and you say, why so many church starts right here in Collin County? Don't we have enough churches? You drive down streets. I can drive you through Collin County and and, and go 12 miles, you won't sing a single church. We've got almost 900,000 people in Collin County, and almost half of them have no religion. That means not just Christian, they're not Hindu, not Muslim, not anything. Now that's numbers. Can you see their faces with me for a minute? Can you see the girls, the boys, the men and women that don't know Jesus? And why missions is so important is if they don't know Jesus and they die or Jesus comes back today, they'll be separated from God forever, right? That's what our Bible says. That's what our beliefs are. That's why we gather here at Murphy Road Baptist Church is we believe all of that and that we needed a Savior, Jesus, to die for us in our place. That's our Athens today. It looks the same way. Paul addressed these people. If you're following along in in Scripture, go to verse 26 with me. Chapter 17, verse 26. It said, From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He's not far from each of us. Think about that passage for just a minute. The nations have come to Dallas-Fort Worth. Over 300 languages other than English are spoken in the home by 1.8 million people in the Metroplex. And we read this, and it very clearly says that God determined where every one of us lives and when every one of us lives. Isn't that incredible? Think about that for a minute. You live at your address. And just think about your, your address there. First thing we learned in school, they, they wanted to teach our name and address, so if we got lost, we could tell somebody, right? God's given you an address. He's given you a name, and it wasn't by accident that he put you where he put you. 
One of the great joys uh, I have here at Murphy Road, I, it, you'll see me more often on Wednesday nights, even then, not all the time, though my, my, my faithful wife is here all the time. Part of the teaching English, we say, is a second language, but that's a misnomer because uh, all of our students, most they, they speak three, four, five languages. We're, we're the uneducated ones that can pretty much speak one, and, and it's Texan, not English, right? But we, we were teaching this passage, and, and as they soaked on this, uh, one of them, she just lit up like a Christmas tree and said, Wow, God put me here on purpose. He, he knows me. And He put me here on purpose. And, and her whole journey from, from Vietnam to here and everything that occurred, he said, He had a plan and a reason for that. That's what this is saying. Because we were digging in, saying, you know, What words don't you understand? What do we need to clear up? Um, in fact, I just asked them to help me because I was going to be preaching on this. Usually, a, you know, a guy like me, I have a, they call it a sugar stick sermon that I, I get to preach over and over. But this is a new one, so, so you're, I'm, I'm getting to try it out on you now. And I was saying, how, how do you understand this? And she, she just lit up and was so excited that God knows her and had a plan for her and put her in place. But we, we were teaching them about these conditional clauses that... that when sentences go together, that, that often they build on each other like Lego building blocks. Hurts when you step on one of those darn things, doesn't it? This one may hurt just a bit. Because verse 27, he said, he did this, so they, some translations, so that. And that just said that he did what? This. And said this, so we were teaching what, when English, when we say this, that you need to think back to what was just said. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find Him. My, my life motto is to, to know God and to make Him known. Many uh, missionaries, we have that as our life motto, the way we sum up and keep ourselves on track. This passage of Scripture, the this, He did this, He put you and me where we live on purpose by His might, by His will, by His plan, not, not only the place, but the time in which you're living, so that what might happen? That when others that don't know God are reaching out for Him blindly, that they can reach next door to their neighbor and find Him, find the God, find Jesus who lives in you. You know, that's why we've had such a great emphasis on neighbors here in our region. That's why Pray for Every Home, which your mission dollars developed right here in Collin County, why we asked you as a church to, our church and, and every church, and in fact, Friday I was sharing with Brother Ed that they launched that effort statewide so that every girl, boy, woman, and man that reaches out for God would find a neighbor that knows Jesus. And I love looking at the, all those green dots, and that's the main reason I had that up there. Those are people praying for their neighbors. Those are people with a list of 100 neighbors' names. And, and this is what's been behind that, is, is, is that passage we just looked at, that God knows you, He puts you where you live, He gave you the name that you have, and He put you right here in 2015. So that as he determined the boundaries, and he's been bringing people from literally all over the earth right here to Dallas, Fort Worth, 
And not just here, but all the other major cities. That's why Jonathan's in Sioux Falls, 120 languages spoken in Sioux Falls. That's why we have Ascend Boston, Ascend Baltimore, Ascend Phoenix, Ascend San Diego. All these global cities, God is bringing boys and girls and men and women from every corner of the earth. And he's putting them within our arms' reach. So that when they reach out and look for God, they might find him. Because here's the truth about them. They're in ignorance right now. See, they, they, they don't even know where they come from. Paul went on in this sermon in verse 28. He said, For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Being God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by art, human art and imagination. He's saying they're ignorant. They're engaged in false religion. When you add the, those that are engaged in false religion where they don't know God, and it's an intriguing thing. Almost every world religion understands that there was some kind of creator, but they don't under, they're reaching out. They're grasping literally at straws. And <clears throat> Paul here is saying they were ignorant of that. Here in Dallas-Fort Worth, all those icons, doesn't, those are all Hindu temples. Islamic mosques, Buddhist places of gathering. And, and that's just right there in our own area. And what Paul said is they're, they're ignorant. And interesting thing when we use that word and, and we ask as we teach Scripture to uh, foreign, our foreign students that come right here in our church, uh, we were teaching this passage and we said, you have to understand that word ignorant that, that's, that's not one we use in everyday American language, right? In fact, if we use it in Texan, we might be in a fight, right? It's a strong word. Well, when Paul used it, it was a strong word. <laughs> Some things just don't change. Now, he was trying to use it in a technical sense because that, there is a technical sense, right, of that word that says simply, they do not know. And maybe Texans always say, they don't know nothing about nothing. Right? That's a South Texan, a Houston accent. They don't know nothing about nothing about God. But He's put us exactly where He wants us. So that when they reach out, they'd find Him. Because indeed, He doesn't live in anything created by human hands. He chooses to live in this temple that He created. He created you, He created me. And he chooses to take up residence, to tabernacle in us in his Holy Spirit. He goes on in verse 30. says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Well, it's a good thing if you call somebody ignorant to say you're just going to overlook it. Now again, how you say that, you might end up in a fight. Boy, you're ignorant, but I'm going to overlook it this time. But this is exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying and, and preaching to the city of his day, Athens, multicultural, wide open city, who had all sorts of wrong and different beliefs about God. He, he was saying, this is why it matters. 
It does matter how you approach the living God. He has determined, because He is the creator of us all, the world's His. I heard one of just say, hey, you, you know, back in Genesis, God made the world and everything in it, and then God made one rule and we broke it. <laughs> and He had the right to make the rule because, uh, by the way, He made it, right? And that just makes sense, doesn't it, that the owner of it all gets to decide what the rules are. And all of us, we broke the rules. And before they were broken, God clearly said, you break my rule, that's what sin means, to violate God's law, then you die. And he said, clearly, Paul is just pulling this in and saying, hey, God cho chooses not to kill you the moment you break the law. Now, wouldn't it be awful if the moment we sin, any sin, that God rendered judgment in that instant? This would be a completely empty room, Right? There wouldn't be a single one of us here. But he chose to overlook it. And he overlooks it, and then he gives a commandment. He says, repent. We don't hear a lot of messages that just clearly say, repent. Turn away from the ways of the world. Turn away from that Epicurean, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. Turn away from that harsh human logic reason that doesn't work turn away from i mean it just doesn't make sense that god would live in something we made when he made it all turn away and turn to god turn to him repent he commands everyone our little our, our students in our class one of the ones from uh, spain she was like wow that's just so plain of course command command means do it when now strong word again right i command you when to repent? Repent now. And they got this as we talked to them. And it's, it's so fun when you see somebody that hasn't had any access to the gospel before, hasn't heard it, and they see it for the first time. They light up, and it is just so self-evident that that's, of course, what we need to do. You know, you don't hear a lot of buts. What about this and that? And, and, and they haven't been in a church or around church or in a culture that at least there's churches and they're aware of them a little bit before to have built up a resistance to hearing it. They just embrace it so quickly. And we have to repent because why? We, we went to that word because. Again, when you're teaching English, you get down to the very basics. There's a reason you need to repent. Judgment day is coming. He will not overlook your sin. He will not overlook your violation of His law forever. He is going to render judgment. And actually, render, he's rendered judgment. He's, he said we're guilty. What he's actually going to do is execute judgment. That, there's a difference between that. You understand, right? To render judgment is to say you're guilty. To execute judgment means you are punished for your guilt. And, and that's the distinction that's right here in this passage. A distinction between rendering judgment that we're guilty and executing judgment. But there is a day, sure and certain, when ex judgment will be executed... And the standard that you have to meet in order to pass that judgment and not have it executed on you is you've got to be as good as Jesus. It said the standard, verse 31, he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. It was fun explaining that to our English class because it's not evident. He didn't use the name Jesus right here. He'd used it earlier later. He said that man is Jesus. And unless you're as good as Jesus, 
Unless you're as loving as Jesus, as compassionate as Jesus, as pure as Jesus, as generous as Jesus, you do not measure up. And there is not a single person alive that measures up. We talked about that, and you know, they smiled. They said, that takes off the pressure. That means I don't have to be judgmental of anybody because I, I, how can I judge somebody when I'm just as broken and, and wrong as they are? None of us come close to Jesus. We didn't have to teach them that none of us come close to Jesus either. When we said Jesus is the standard, they knew enough about Jesus that it was like, oh, wow, yeah, nobody, nobody. We need to repent. We need to turn to Jesus. And if we had any doubts, he's given proof because he raised Jesus from the dead. We talked about that. In resurrection, what does it mean? That he'd never die again. That he, he lives forever with God. Now, how are we going to respond to such a message? That God created us all. He knows us by name. He had a purpose for us. He put us at our address when and where we live. For those of us that have repented and, and accepted Jesus as our, our, our master, that we follow him, that we love him, that we've repented from the world and follow after him. He's put us there so that others, when they reach out to find God, they'd find him living and, and taking up residence in the person of his Holy Spirit in every one of us. So that we can proclaim the name of Jesus. Not everybody's going to accept that word, are they? They didn't then. Verse 32, when they'd heard about the resurrection of the dead. By the way, you can't ever proclaim the gospel without talking about the fact that Jesus is risen. He lives. Some of them ridiculed him. We had to explain that word ridicule because that's a strong word. Strong word then, strong word now because they were saying you're ridiculous, Paul. You know, because he called them ignorant, some of their pushback was, no, we're not ignorant, you're ignorant, Paul. I mean, that's ridiculous to talk about somebody being raised from the dead because that just doesn't happen, right? I mean, you, can you see those Dr. Spock saying, that's not logical. Remember that stoic form of thought that was very prevalent and influential in that society, still influential today. Those that wanted wine, women, and songs said, don't bother with me. You know, I might hear more of it later. They just went all way. But others said, we want to hear from you again. And that's what's true about living as a missionary today. I hope you have reached the conclusion that you're a missionary just like me. Five things I want to just reiterate for you briefly, quickly to remember from this message, I hope today, is because God did create you. And He did place you right where He wants you to live. And it's not an accident that you're alive in 2015 instead of 1815 or the year 15. He wanted you right here and now in 2015, right here and now, living in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, setting your boundaries of your neighborhood, of your work, and he's also set the boundaries in place and time for your neighbors to live beside you and your co-workers to be in the office with you. Because I know in this room most of us do know Jesus. We have repented at one point in our life. 
because we understood there was a judgment day and it was sure and certain and that we were all guilty and that the, because the standard of measurement is Jesus himself. He's done that, placed you there, so that when they reach out, looking for God, wondering why am I here, why has he had me on this path and journey I've been on, none of it makes any sense. Paul, can you tell me? Ed, can you tell me? Your neighbor reaches out and says your name. Can you tell me and make sense of this? That you're there and, and the Holy Spirit, God living in you, will be as near as you're at their hand and, and he'll give you the words to, to tell them. That yes, there's an answer to those questions and the answer is Jesus Christ. And you can trust him and be sure that it's true because he lives. And he commands everyone everywhere to repent. Because judgment day is coming and you don't have forever to make that decision. Isn't it so wonderful, incredible, unfathomable that we serve and love a God who desires that none would perish but that all would come to repentance? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, hear this word, repent. That means to turn to Him. You can see me or, or anyone, Paul, others. We can explain more of that. You might be just like those people at Athens that I need to hear more about this. I'd encourage you to see. Others here this morning, you might have been living as a neighbor not too aware that, that God had placed not only you where you live, but everyone around you where they live on purpose. And that purpose is an eternal purpose. And that's a a purpose that if that judgment day is executed today or tomorrow, most of your neighbors will depart into eternity into hell. That you need to repent today and start being available to them so when they reach out and are seeking, that you're right there ready to talk because you've already been loving them. And I'd encourage you this morning, repent. Embrace God. He's had a purpose for your whole life and He's given it to you. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, so thankful to be here with your people this morning, to break the bread of life, to hear words from your Holy Scriptures, Lord. Lord, we trust your Holy Spirit is moving into each heart, saying exactly what needs to be said to us. Lord Jesus, give us ears to hear and hands to work. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.